Last week we talked about uh, needing a drink of water, and I talked to you about how uh, there's that those times that you know physically, you know, that you found yourself in just just that raging thirst, you know, just needing uh, something to. You needed some liquid. You needed some water. You needed um, that that thirst to be quenched. And and we talked about how uh, that that there's kind of a spiritual uh, equal there that, that every single person on the face of the earth has a spiritual thirst for God. And we, we try to fill it up with other things. We try to uh, take other things that may be very good things, may be very great things that we need in our lives, but they're still not going to fill the place, they're still not going to quench the thirst that is a thirst for God. And, and so there are just people all around us, all around us and throughout the country and throughout the world that need the living water of Jesus Christ. And so God has enlisted us as uh, people that might carry the water. <laughs> people that might be vessels of honor to carry the water, the living water of the Holy Spirit and the gospel of Christ to those that, that need it. And we talked about last week, the first point that we covered was just simply having the desire to go. Having that desire in our hearts, in our minds, in our person that says, you know, we want to share the gospel. We want to reach out to people around us. We realize and we recognize that, that, that people need Jesus, that they need the gospel. And just having that desire and just wanting to do it. And, you know, we talked about that in the opening of this chapter where it said that, um, that, that he needed to go through Samaria, right? Verse 4, John 4, verse 4, but he needed to go through Samaria. Right, and so there's that sense of a desire to go, um, and and it might be, uh, it might be to go into the world. It might be to go to a nation. It might be to go to a particular locale. It might be to go across town to meet somebody that needs that that, that there's going to be a conversation, a a, a, a coffee, or a, or even a dinner or a lunch. It might even be walking across a room at work, a ball field at the park, to talk to somebody and meet somebody that begins a relationship, that begins an open door of sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we want to be those type of people. We want to be those type of people that can recognize the voice of the Holy Spirit in our lives that says, hey, go talk to that person or... The person you're talking to right now, I want you to share me with this person. And just being able to be that type of Christian. Amen? So having the desire to go. So we talked about that. And Jesus certainly had that um, and modeled it. Of course he had it, right? But he modeled it for us perfectly. And then secondly tonight, the second point that we're going to talk about tonight is is really the second key in, in developing um, into a person of witness is simply helping people to investigate Jesus. 
We need to help people. Like sometimes we, we don't have to necessarily know everything about Jesus. I mean, I, we, we, some of us in this room have been studying the Bible. We've been, we've been you know, I, I, I've said this for years. I mean, I have been to church every, just about every Sunday for 48 years and nine months in utero, okay? So, I mean, it doesn't get more, ah, okay? We know we've done church. But sometimes it's just simply helping people to investigate Jesus. And so I want to take a look at this. Let's go back to our text, John chapter 4. Let's pick it up, verse 16. Actually, I want to just read 15, just so we can get the flow into this next section here. The woman said to him, sir, give me... Let's back up to 13. Jesus answered and said to her, whoever drinks of this water will thirst again, the water from the well. But whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst but the water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. And the woman said to him, Sir, give me this water that I may not thirst, nor come here to draw. And Jesus said to her, Go call your husband and come here. And the woman answered and said, I have no husband. And Jesus said to her, You have well said I have no husband, for you have had five husbands, and the one whom you now have is not your husband, in that you, you spoke truly. And the woman said to him, Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshiped on this mountain, and you Jews say that in Jerusalem is the place that, where we ought to worship. And Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when you will neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem worship the Father. You worship what you do not know, and we worship... We we know what we worship, for salvation is of the Jews. But the hour is coming and now is when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. And the woman said to him, I know that Messiah is coming, who is called Christ. And when he comes, he will tell us all things. And Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. So we, let's keep it simple. We want to have the desire to go. And as we go, and remember we talked about that when Jesus said, go into all the world and make disciples of all nations, right? He said, go, go and make disciples of all nations. The imperative is actually of the making disciples. The inference is that you're going, it's like, okay, you're going, and as you go, make disciples. So we're all going. We're all going and going and going. You went and went and went today. And so as you go, as you go, preach the gospel. As you go, share me. As you go, help people investigate Jesus. And we need to just kind of let it be simple in our minds to help other people investigate Jesus. And it doesn't matter how old you are. I mean, I think if you can, there's young kids that just barely know how to talk that can help other people investigate Jesus and all the way until you're Billy Graham and you're 99.9 .9 years old and you've been blessed with this unbelievable life and you've just continued to share the love of Jesus uh, with people in your life. And so just help people investigate the Lord. There are more people today that don't know who Jesus is. 
If you've grown up in the church, you might, you know, there was a time when you thought, well, you know, just everybody knows who Jesus is, right? I mean, everybody knows that he's the son of God, that he's the Messiah, that he died on the cross for our sins, that he was the perfect sacrifice, that he fulfilled all these prophecies. No, people don't know. People actually, I've actually come to a couple conclusions. There's actually people that absolutely do not know anything about Jesus. And then there's people that think they know. <laughs> they have done some investigation way out here in some fringe resources, and they'll tell you, well, yeah, I know this and this and that. And you're like, yeah, no, that's not it. <laughs> and they're like, where'd you get that? You know? Um, well, I got it in this, you know, kind of middle, you know, kind of Eastern mysticism bookstore in, you know, some, some, some place, you know, on vacation. Well, yeah, well, I, okay. So, you know, there's not, there's more and more people that don't know, and sadly to say, even in the church, people sitting on pews and, well, not pews, but seats and theater seats and all kinds of seats that don't really know who Jesus is. And it's our job. We've been enlisted in that you know, task to help people investigate Jesus. And remember I quoted from Greg Laurie last week and I said, not everybody's called to be an evangelist, but if you're a Christian, you're called to evangelism, which means you're called to share the love of Jesus. You're, you're called to help people investigate him. This woman asked Jesus for living water. She says, give me some of this water that you're talking about so I don't have to come here and and draw water and that I may never thirst again. So Jesus tells her to, okay, all right, you want some of this water? Go get your husband and come on back and we'll, we'll, we'll talk about getting you some of this water. She says, I have no husband. Jesus says, yeah, you're right. You're right you have no husband. In fact, you've had five husbands and the man that you would now have is not your husband. She's like, well, you are a prophet, <laughs> right? You are a prophet. This is the beginning of her actually beginning to understand who Jesus is. Yes, he is a prophet. He's a prophet, priest, and a king, amen? And he's the son of God. And she begins, her eyes begin to become open to, to a little bit to who this is that's talking to her. At that, the woman said to Jesus, I can see that you were a prophet, well, Jesus knows everything, right? You know, earlier in this gospel, John said, actually, it's later in the gospel. <laughs> Not earlier, it's later. He may have said it earlier, but I know for a fact he says it later in chapter 13, actually 12, the end of 12. He says, Jesus knew what was in men. Jesus knew what, what is in man. So, I mean, he, he knows. He knows what's in your heart. He knows what's in every single person's heart. He knows the thoughts that they have. He knows how those thoughts and ideas and philosophies have become organized in that particular person. He knows where, you know, how that construction of their basic outlook on life and perhaps their view of religion and, and all that, he, he knows every last bit of it and he knows exactly how to reach that person. And so... We've got to be people that just simply are the people that have the desire to go and the people that just want to help people investigate Jesus. And it might be 
simply making a statement like this. It might be saying, hey, have you considered this? Or, you know, Jesus says, hey, go get your husband, you know? Or, you know, you might be led to say something. Jesus will give you the words. Just look to him and he, he will help you. And, um, and you're just helping someone investigate the Lord. So what happens when we share the gospel is that through the ministry of the Holy Spirit, the Lord will speak through you to another person if you will simply tell them what every person needs. Bring the word, bring the gospel to bear upon the situation. Bring the gospel of Jesus Christ, bring the word of God. Maybe it's something that you have heard in a message or in a Bible study or in a devotion. or it, it, It's just something that is quickened in your heart in that moment and you're, and you're, and you're you know, right there in that place and you're, you're able to bring it to bear upon that situation. And God will be with you. He will quicken it. And as you share that word, as you share that gospel, the, through the Holy Spirit, who is the Spirit of Christ, who knows what is in every man, who knows what is in every man's heart and head, he will speak directly to the center of their heart in a way that you may not be aware of that he's doing through the words that you're saying in English or whatever language. And there's something dynamic that's happening. There's something dynamic that's happening because the Holy Spirit, Jesus is a prophet. Jesus knows. And we simply have to be that vehicle to, to share the word. It may be something where you're sharing something from a devotional. Maybe it was on forgiveness or something, and God speaks to them about how they need forgiveness or they need to forgive. And then something continues in the conversation that you're able to share with them, the Lord Jesus or, or the gospel. Maybe it's something about needing restoration in a relationship or, or something. It could be anything. It could be anything that the Lord uses you to say. There was this woman who invited a non-believing friend to attend church with her and, you know, went through, here she is in church. She's got her friend. She's not a Christian. And the whole service is going and, and the worship and everything. And finally, the pastor gets up to speak. And the pastor preached his message and the service was over. And the friend looked at the woman who brought her, this non-believing friend, looked at the woman who invited her to the service, and she said, I came to church with you today. Why did you have to tell the pastor all about my situation? Right? She's upset. I mean, I agreed to come to church. Did you have to tell the pastor about my whole situation? And she's like, I didn't tell the pastor about your situation. Well, sure you did. How could he know all that stuff? Well, he doesn't know. What he, well, he knows from studying the word, but what happened is the Holy Spirit spoke directly to the center of her heart. There was what I believe is there's a gift of the Holy Spirit that comes through the prophetic uh, proclamation of the word of God the bringing forth of the word of God, when we bring forth the word, when the word is read, it's living and active and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, and it, and, it, and it lays the heart bare. And so what happens is there's a word of knowledge, 
There's a word of wisdom. And maybe people are unaware of it. And I think it happens. I think it happens every time that the word is brought forth. I think it happens every time that, that words of knowledge and words of wisdom, because the Holy Spirit, uh, through that word that's being brought forth, is speaking to every single person individually. And I, I remember I heard this great message at a pastor's conference one time, and, and, and um, this, uh, this particular speaker, who's, who's one of my favorites, he said, you know what, guys, what you need to do when you're teaching the Bible, when you're sharing the Word of God, when you're looking at that text that you're going to share, you want to you wanna ha- make sure that that message has three M's in it. Three M's. You want to have the meat of the Word, right? You want to have the meat of the Word. And that's just, just kind of breaking down that text, bringing forth the meat of, of what that passages saying. And maybe there's kind of like a, you know, there's a theological point. Maybe if you're in the Pauline epistles or something, if you're in the Pauline epistles, you're going to be talking about some type of theological <laughs> point that, that Paul is making there. And you're, and you're breaking that down and you're bringing forth the meat. You're serving the steak, right? right? The filet mignon to the people. And he says, you also want to make sure that it has the milk of the word. Right? You want to make sure that it has the gospel. You want to make sure that people can see Jesus in it. You want to see, make sure that people can connect those dots. And you're responsible, guys, for those first two things. In your preparation, in your study, as you bring it, you want to make sure that you got those two covered. But then there's one more M, and that's not up to you at all. That's the manna. That's the manna. And that's the daily bread. That's, the, that's that... It's, uh, where the Holy Spirit, through what is being brought, speaks directly to the center of the heart of every single individual who's listening and who's got their ears, their physical ears on and their spiritual ears. And even if they're barely hanging on with their spiritual ears, or maybe they don't even have spiritual ears, but they decided to listen. And some part in that thing, something spoke to them because it was the Spirit of God. And they walked out of there and go, wow. That was for me. Or that was, you know, that was a word that I needed to hear. I, I, I got filled up on that. And that's what happens. And I've had, I've had situations down through the years of my ministry where people will come up to me after the service and, and um, you know, say that was, that was exactly for me or I needed that or that's exactly what I'm going through or, um, you know, that type of thing. God knows everything about people's lives. And when the word of God is preached, words of knowledge prophetically go forth. When the gospel is presented, the people's hearts are laid bare. People's hearts are laid bare. The example of this is, and and this woman is is having her heart laid bare. I mean, here's here's Jesus. I mean, if, if the Holy Spirit is working in, if Jesus is standing in front of you, <laughs> I hope that you're not closed off to the work of the Holy Spirit and that you can receive what Jesus himself wants to bring into your life. And, you know, um, so people's hearts are laid bare when the gospel is presented. And a perfect example of this is when P- uh, Peter got up on the day of Pentecost. Remember they were the 120 were up in the upper room and they prayed and the 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 
something like a mighty rushing wind came blowing through that place and tongues of fire came to rest upon their heads and it says, and they spoke with other tongues as the Spirit and enabled them and they were filled with the Spirit and they were speaking, what were they speaking? They were speaking these languages whom they, who they haven't learned. Now people were in town and Luke, the, right, the, 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 um, the writer of Acts goes through under the inspiration of the Spirit, goes through the specific detail to write down the names of the, the places that the people were in town from, and, the, and the, the, those places are the places of the languages that these people began to, to, to hear the, the praises of God spoke, and so we said, we're all here, we're all here from all these places, and we hear these people from, from Judea and Galilee, and they're speaking all these languages, and we hear the, the, the praises of God and the wonders of God being brought forth, and, and it's, it was an incredible thing. So, man, that, that, that's such a, the day of Pentecost, right? An amazing day, the, the birth of the Spirit, the, outpour, the birth of the church, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Um, Peter gets up in the midst of this because the crowd, the onlookers start saying, look, this is nuts. These people, um, what are they? They're, they're just a bunch of drunks. You know, they're going around and they're, they're, they're talking and they're speaking in these languages that they haven't learned. And finally, Peter stands up and says, no, they're not drunk. It's nine o'clock in the morning. <laughs> you know, we've been praying. This is what the prophet Joel prophesied about that the Spirit of the Lord would be poured out on all flesh. And so Peter preaches this amazing sermon. And this is what I call one of the, there's two great moments of, the, 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 the two greatest moments of ministry, other than the cross and the whole entire ministry of Jesus. But I'm talking about a person that's not Jesus. Okay, you had Elijah in the Old Testament, right? When he called down fire from heaven and the prophets of Baal and the fire ate up the, all the water and the liquid and whatever, and the... 400 prophets of Baal were literally crying, El is Yah, El is Yah. They're literally saying Elijah, right? But they're actually saying, El is God, El is God, El is the Lord, or El is Yah, or Yahweh is God, is basically what Elijah means. And that's actually what they were saying. So when, you know, it's a great moment in ministry. Another great moment in ministry is when Peter, on the day of Pentecost, gets done with his sermon, and the entire people say, Okay, what do you want us to do? <laughs> I'm still waiting for that moment in my ministry. I'm still waiting for that moment when I'm just, you know, passionately preaching the gospel and people say, okay, what, pastor, what do you want us to do? And Peter says, repent, repent. Well, what had happened? He shared the gospel of Jesus Christ. He shared about this person of Christ, how he was the, of the lineage of David and the king of kings and how, what he had done. And the reason why they asked, what should we do, is because their hearts were laid bare. And that's what happens when the word is brought forth. And that can happen in our, every one of our lives. We just have to be that available person. We have to be that person that has the desire to go to simply help people investigate Jesus. Amen? So... What happens then is the reality of who Jesus is revealed. You know, Jesus is in the business of revealing himself to people. The Father is in the business. The Spirit is in the business 
of revealing to people who Jesus is, right? And this is what he's all about. I mean, if, 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 if he ever was about anything, <laughs> right? This is what the Lord is about. This is what the Spirit of God is about. And so we just need to be enlisted in that process. So this is what happens here. Go back to the text. She is just perceiving him to be a prophet. Go back to verse 19. The woman said to him, sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Our fathers were... Then they get into this discussion about the proper modes of worship, the proper geography of worship. You see, we talked about this last week. The Samaritans had, you know, they were that mixed breed that was hap happened because of what happened when the Assyrians conquered the northern tribes and, and they had sent in this group of, of people of the Assyrians that mixed with the 10 tribes, the people of the 10 tribes, the 10 northern tribes in the divided kingdom of Israel. And so then you had this, really this mixed breed this, what they called a Samaritan. And so that's where you had the Samaritans, and then they came up with their, their whole own system of worship that was very similar to Judaism, but they just kind of changed everything up. Instead of doing everything in Jerusalem, they said, no, we need to do it here in Gerizim. We need to do it here. You had, you had the, the, the twin mountains there in, the, you know, there in, uh, in that area. And uh, which is, a, which is the, you know, we don't have time to get into that whole geography, but that's an amazing study there. But um, so they're going back and forth on this and we worship on this mountain, you worship on the mountain in Jerusalem. And, and Jesus says, look, the hour is coming and now is when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in the tr in truth for the Father is seeking such to worship him. The Father is seeking worshipers. What's he doing? What's the Lord want? He's seeking those that will worship him, that will be loyal to him, that will find out who he is, that it will be revealed to their heart, and they will say, yes, I want to follow the Lord. I want, I want Yahweh God. I want Jesus to be my God. I want him to be my Lord and my Savior. That's what he's doing. And, and for us to worship in spirit and truth, to, to, for us to have that, that devotion, that trust, that faith, in the Lord. And that's what he's looking for. And it says, God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. And the woman said, I know that the Messiah is coming, who is called Christ, and when he comes, he will tell us all things. And look at verse 26. And Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. I'm, I am the Christ. I am the Christ. I'm the Messiah. This one that you're talking about, this one that you guys, Samaritans, are talking about, the one that the Old Testament's talking about, the one that Moses talked about that would come, the one that, that David talked about that would come, the one that the prophets talked about that would come, I'm him. I'm him. I'm standing in front of you, and I am him. And this is what Jesus wants to do. This is what the Father wants to do. He wants to reveal Jesus. And we've just got to simply be a part of the process. So, so what, what's going on? Um, it, it's being revealed to her. It's being revealed to her. It's, it's not our job to reveal who Jesus is. We can help. We can help the investigation. We can bring some word to bear. We can bring some, some um, relevant points, some study, some interesting insight. But it's the, the Holy Spirit's job. It's actually the, the Father, Jesus says, 
Because what does Jesus say to, to uh, Peter back in Matthew 16 when he asked them, well, who do you say that I am? Well, wait, who do men say that I am? Who do men say that I am? Well, some say that you're, you're John the Baptist, you're Jeremiah, you're one of the prophets. Okay, all right. Well, who do you say that I am? Who do you say that I am? And Peter being always the first to speak, don't you love him? He was like the Arnold Horshack of the... <laughs> he was the Arnold Horshack of the apostles. Amen? Me, me, me. Okay, Peter, go ahead. Who am I? <laughs> You're the Christ. You're the son of the living God. And Jesus said to him what? Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, son of Jonah, for this has not been revealed to you by flesh and blood, but it's been revealed to you by my Father who is in heaven. What? This has not been revealed to you by flesh and blood, but it's been revealed to you by my Father who is in heaven. It's, jo it's, it's God's job to reveal himself to people. It's simply our job to be that person that would simply just bring his word to bear, to carry the living water, to bring the seed of his word to bear upon the situation that we might find this ourselves in. And just stand back and actually watch in amazement of, you know, we talk about, you know, we're, I just brought up this whole thing with the building and everything, and it's like, hey, if it's a God thing, you're not going to stop it. He's going to do it, Right? And if it's a God thing, as you're sharing, you don't have to force. Some, sometimes people get, they don't want to do evangelism because they just don't do their part and let God do his part. You know, let God do his part. Just have fun being you and being that person who's an open vessel to bring the word of God to bear upon the situation. Amen. Just, you know, take the pressure. It's, it's the pressure's not on you. You've just got to be a part of the process. So what happened? She basically, at that point, I believe she actually was like, it's the Messiah. It's the Christ. It's the Christ. I believe she literally was saved right then. I believe she literally accepted him as the Messiah right then and there. Because what happened? She literally left her pot and ran into the town to tell everybody else, okay? Which is the, the last point, and we'll wrap it up, amen? So the last point is then just look to the harvest. Have the desire to go, help, help others investigate Jesus, and then just look to the harvest because God wants to bring the harvest in more than you do, way more than you, amen? And so if you have the desire, just think about the desire that he has to bring in that harvest and to bring as many sons to glory as possible as he has, has purposed that would happen. So let's, let's finish the rest of this section here, 31, or pick it up, verse 27. And at this point, his disciples came and they marveled that he, that he talked with a woman. Yet no one said, what do you seek, or why are you talking with her? And the woman then left her water pot, went, went her way into the city, and said to the men, come and see a man who told me all things that I ever did. Could this be the Christ? 
And then they went out of the city and came to him. In the meantime, his disciples urged him, saying, Rabbi, eat. But he said to them, I have food to eat which you do not know. And therefore the disciples said to one another, has anyone brought him anything to eat? And Jesus said to them, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Do you not say there are still four months and then comes the harvest? Behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes and look at the fields, for they are already white for harvest. And he who reaps receives wages and gathers fruit for eternal life, that both he who sows and he who reaps may rejoice together. For in this one saying is true, one sows and another reaps, and I sent you to reap for that which you have not labored, and others have labored, and you have entered into their labors. I just love this passage so much. I just love this so much. Look to the harvest. If we're going to be people of witness, then we need to look to the harvest. We need to expect a harvest. Amen? A farmer expects a harvest. If you go out there and sow some seed, if you go out there and plow a field and sow some seed in the ground and watch over that seed, make sure that it's got some watering or pray for rain, one of the two. <laughs> make sure you got the rocks out of there and the thorns and the thistles and you're out there, you're going to expect some seed. And I think it'd be amazing just if you just said, you know, hey, Lord, use me, help me, have the desire to go, to 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 be a person of witness. Lord, help me help other people investigate who you are. Use me to bring your word to bear upon some people's hearts that don't know you and just look to the harvest and just see what God's gonna do and be amazed. The problem is a lot of people, we're not, we don't have the desire to go. We're not helping anybody investigate Jesus and therefore we're not gonna have a harvest because we're a farmer that hadn't entered into the field. And Jesus says, look, you're going to enter into the field. Some are laboring. Some are doing this. Some are, and you're going to be part of the process in one way or the other. You might be out there at the moment where it's just simply casting that first seed into the life of that particular person. You might be there at the end of the season of their life or the end of the season of bringing them into the kingdom where you're there at the, at the, at the where you're reaping the fruit. You're, re, you're literally bringing them into the, the, the kingdom. You don't know where you're going to be along the process, but God's called you into the field. He's called you into the process to be a part of it. And we've got to, we've got to uh, just see, see the fields. We've got to look, look out there at the fields. When Jesus, well, let me back up because there's some great things here in this text. The, the disciples get back. Remember, they had gone into town to get some food. They had gone through the drive through and they got back and they, they, they said, well, you know, give some to Jesus. And Jesus, you know, they walk over to Jesus. Here, we got you, we got you, you know, a Big Mac and some fries or whatever. You know, no cheese together with the meat. But, um, but uh, if you know your Old Testament, you know, you know that. But, um, <laughs> yeah, you can't get a Big Mac with cheese on it in Israel. <laughs> um, but anyways... Uh, where was I? Oh, so we got you a Big Mac. Um, there's a guy I just saw this. He has eaten 30,000 Big Macs. Have you seen this guy? In his entire lifetime. And he's not even fat. So look him up. But, um, <clears throat> but, <laughs> but um, anyway, so Jesus is like, I don't want any of that. I don't want any of that. And they're talking amongst themselves. Hey, did you give 
did, 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 did Jesus slip away and get some food? Or did, you, did one of you guys give him some food? How did he, how, he's not hungry. What's going on? And he, he overhears what's going on. He says, look, I have a food. I have something that, that, that brings me satisfaction. I have something that sustains me. And it's actually to do the will of my father. It's actually to be actively engaged in the will of the father. And let me just tell you this. If you're looking for something, a way to be involved that is highly satisfying, just get involved in just being a person that shares the love of Jesus, shares the word of God, brings the word of God to bear. It is a, it is a very satisfying thing. And there's a lot of Christians that I think are more like McJagger Christians. They're like, I can't get no satisfaction. Well, let me tell you, how to get some. Enter into the labor field. Enter into the field. And you will have a food that is not that of a physical food, but it's a spiritual food that will bring a satisfaction to your heart and soul that the Lord Jesus is talking about here. Amen? Amen. So yeah, tweet that out, McJagger Christians. Um, so... He, he begins to talk to them. He says, uh, there are still four months and then comes the harvest. Behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes and look at the fields. What's he saying? I think he's saying, he's saying a lot, amen? <laughs> he's saying, look, you don't know where you are. Some say, look, the, there's four months to harvest. I say, look at the field, here comes the harvest. What happened? She literally ran into town from the well to get the to go in there and tell the men of the city. She said, "Come and see a man." I did a message on evangelism once. It was called um, "Go and Tell and Come and See." Go and tell and come and see. These are kind of two different aspects of evangelism. There's the going and telling, and then there's the come and see. And right now she's in the come and see. She's like, "Hey, come and see." a man who told me everything I did, everything about my life. He knew everything about me. Come and see. And that's, you can go and tell. You can go into your highways and byways. You can go into your neighborhood, into your workplace, into your community, bring the word of God to bear, have the desire to go help people investigate Jesus, bring the word of God to bear. And then you can, the other part of it, hey, come and see. Come and see. And come in and and and. Let them be in a, in a worship setting where they're hearing the word of God brought to bear in such a way that the Holy Spirit is present in the worship and the word and the, the, the word is laying people's hearts bare and they're just sitting there going, I need, I need the Lord. And the Father is revealing himself to people. Jesus says, look unto the fields. What was, what was happening? The men of the city were coming out in white robes. He says, look at the white, the field is white unto harvest. The men of the city are coming out in their robes and literally saying, look, here, here comes the harvest. Here comes the harvest. I sat here while you guys went into the town and I had a conversation with a woman. And here comes the town. Here comes the town coming out as a harvest. And you never know. I don't know the whole story and I won't bother to try to articulate it, but there's a great story about the person who led Billy Graham to the Lord, right? And it's like, you don't know who it might be that you're leading to the Lord that could become the next 
Greg Laurie or the next whoever, right? Right? Look to the harvest. That's the name of his church, Harvest, harvest Christian Fellowship. So let's wrap this up. Um, I sent you to reap. He says, for the saying is true, one sows and another reaps. And I sent you to reap, verse 38, I sent you to reap for that which you have not labored, others have labored, and you have entered into their labors. So I think Jesus is saying, look to the harvest and get out there into the field. Because you could be the person that's having the conversation or you could be the person that's simply entering in and looking to the harvest. And here comes the town. White. The white-robed men of Samaria coming out to investigate Jesus. Amen? So, what's the answer? Mark 16, verse 15, you'll see it on the screen. Jesus said, and he said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Now, does this mean that you can go into the woods and preach the gospel to the bears and the, 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 you know, the deer and the ducks and the turtles crawling through your lawn? We see that we see, Mary Jo and I sit out there in the morning, we're drinking our coffee and we say, look at, look at the bunny. Oh, and look at the turtle. It's like the tortoise and the hare in our backyard. <laughs> You know, I'm serious. Every morning we see this. It's like a, it's like a nursery rhyme. And um, <clears throat> preach the gospel to every creature and human beings <laughs> made as the image of God. Preach the gospel to them. The word preach is the word caruso there in this verse. And it means to herald, to, to proclaim, to to. Suggest, And you know the gospel message is not, Jesus said to John, in John 3.16, actually John 3.17, he said, God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that through him the world might be saved. I think too many Christians are in the business of condemning and not in the business of proclaiming and heralding the love of God, the gospel of Christ, the fact that he's not condemning, but he's brought a propitiation, he's brought up an answer to their sin situation. So we're instructed to proclaim the gospel. Go with the message of the gospel. Go out there and deliver it to people. Now, I'm almost done. I'm almost done. Yeah, and you can't even leave. You can't even leave. So let me, so give me two more minutes. Everybody said amen. All right. You need to change your mindset when it comes to the harvest in your life. There's a lot of people that say, oh, well, my husband, there is no way that he is coming to Jesus. My friend, you don't know my friend. There is no way that they're coming to Jesus. You don't know that. In fact, you need to repent. <laughs> you need to, right now, you need to repent of that because you don't know that. Who are you? Who are you to say that your relative, your son, your friend, that person cannot be saved, that God's arms are too short to save that person? Nikki Cruz was the toughest gang member 
in Manhattan in the 1950s until a rural Pennsylvania preacher named David Wilkerson walked into the streets of Manhattan and told Nikki Cruz, Jesus loves you and so do I. And if you cut me up into a thousand pieces right now, every one of them would still be saying that Jesus loves you. And Nikki Cruz, long story short, get out the cross and the switchblade, yeah. Is that on Netflix? Netflix that up or something. Find it somewhere. It's an old, it's, it, it will blow your mind. In fact, I got in trouble. I, I showed this to the youth group one year. This was 20 years ago. And I didn't remember how graphic the heroin scenes were. I mean, it is graphic, the drug use in this, in this movie. But it's an amazing story of how David Wilkerson is, is simply that person that we're talking about just to, to go and tell the gospel. So, um, we'll wrap it up with this idea of the parable of the sower. The parable of the sower. A lot of people are discouraged when it comes to being a person of witness because they say, well, they have predetermined in their heart the condition of the soil of the people around them. Rather than saying, now, when Jesus taught the parable of the sower, I believe it's Mark chapter 4, you can look it up. He said, he opens it up and he says, the sower goes out to sow. The sower goes out to sow. The sower goes out to sow. And then he says, and some of the seed fell on rocky ground. Some of it fell on ground that had thorns and thistles. Some of the seed fell on the wayside, but some of it, some of it fell on good soil and brought forth a harvest. And so we need to stop. We need to change our mindset. We need to repent of saying someone can't be saved. And we need to repent of predetermining the condition of the soil. And we need to be the sower who goes out to sow. And I've said this before, and I'll say it again tonight. When you hear a message, take it in in two ways. Take it in for yourself, and take it in in such a way that you can go out and sow it the next day, or the, that week, very week. Find a way to bring something that was sown into your life, find a way to bring it to bear upon a place where you're going to find. Because there's a ground out there. And there might be some rocky ground. And there might be some wayside. And there might be some thorns and thistles. But guess what? There's some good ground out there that you're going to enter into that field. You're going to enter into the labor. And you're going to see the harvest of Jesus come. And you're going to be a part of it. And you're going to get some satisfaction. Amen? Amen? No McJagger Christians. <laughs>